Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and tonight we're joined by Dr. Ben Lee. Ben completed his MSD, MD Science in Prosthodontics from the University of Sydney during during this time, he was given the Young Prosthodontist Award by the International College of Prosthodontists. He is the past president of the Australian Prosthodontic Society New South Wales and Australian Asian Association of Dentists. He's a mentor for implant diploma courses offered by the UCID and CSU. In addition, being a visiting honorary clinical lecturer at the UCID and a frequent presenter for Noble Biocare, Ben frequently presents on topics of dental implants and fixed prosthodontics nationally. As a prosthodontist, Ben works full-time in his referral-based specialist center in Chatswood City and with particular interest in surgical and restorative aspects of dental implant therapy treatment. Dr. Benley, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Lawrence. Um, what, what a frightening sound bio. <laughs> so before specializing you were a general dentist for about four years how was your cp journey at that point um it was all over the place to, to be frank um as a as a young uh, graduate uh, dentist coming out of otago I, I i thought i was already armed with everything that i that that, that i you know that, that that i can uh face the face the world with so um but you know we we ultimately we, we are shaped by the people we meet and our and the bosses we had right along along the way so at uh, at, at uni in otago we had some fantastic uh, tutors and, and most of which were actually all general dentists they were excellent general dentists and you know, we we often refer to as super gps right who's who's uh, good at everything you know restorative endo ortho and the whole lot so uh, it, it was that experience that initially shaped my thinking that who would ever want to specialize you you, you you'll, you'll be an idiot to specialize because why would you want to restrict um, your field of practice to only doing a particular aspect dentistry? Wouldn't you want to be a super GP like my mentors were, you know, back in uni so that you can, you're good at doing everything. Wouldn't that be great? So I started off with my CPD journey with that thought process in mind. So uh, I ventured into, you know, comp composites. I still remember one of the first one I went to was by Newton Fall and later on Didier Dicci and these other, the, the greatest of all times, right, in, in composites. So that sort of, you know, was really inspiring, um, making me to buy the composite kits at the end of the, <laughs> end of the course. Um, uh, and uh, in terms of other restorative and pieces, um, at the time it was, uh, you know, when Sydney was just uh, finishing the Olympics, it was just post 2000. So the economy was hot, the extreme makeovers on, um, you know, uh, so, so I went over to the States, uh, did a lot of LVI courses, Las Vegas Institute. So they were all about teaching you about um, neuromuscular dentistry and full mouth reconstructions and how to do a uh, 20 unit veneer preps, you know, and, and start finish under two hours, that kind of stuff. So that was sort of really, I was very really passionate about um, makeovers and uh, improving people's lives. Uh, and then and also along the, uh, along the way, there were lots of about um, implants um, you know, from, from undergrad level, we don't get exposed about implants very much. So at the time, uh, I think it was uh, ACIT, Australian Society of Implant Dentistry, I think it's called, um, where they were offering you know, the level one, two and three courses. I did all, all of that to get my, um, increase the appetite a little bit in implant dentistry. Um, ortho, I did a lot of that. Um, my good mentor, uh, Dr. Stephen Lee, he's an orthodontist, he's still practicing. Um, one of the most um, fussy, you know, uh, orthodontists <laughs> that, that I've known, a terrific guy. And he had he had his courses, so I did, did all of that. Um, so, so, yeah, so I was all, all over the place, um, trying to learn about everything and anything that dentistry has to offer. Yeah, and was that kind of based around the kind of patients that you were kind of seeing or how the practice was kind of built? <clears throat> Absolutely, absolutely. I was very fortunate that I was uh, from a, as a new grad from New Zealand coming to Australia, not knowing where 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 uh, what 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 the different suburbs were. Uh, I remember I, I had two job offers uh, at the time. One was in Chatswood, uh, and the other was in Blacktown. And of course, I had no idea what these suburbs meant. 
um, uh, all, all I can say is that the interview that I went to Blacktown the, the, at the time, right, this is in the early 2000s, it did not make me feel safe. <laughs> so, so, I, so I ended up choosing the one in Jasper that I felt was a little safer. Um, and my, my boss was terrific, you know, Dr. Joe. So, so we still, we, we, I still see him every now and then. He's just walking across the, across the road from me. And um, uh, he, his internet marketing was, was spot on for the time. He was certainly ahead of his time in terms of um, internet marketing. He had so many websites for basically what the one business, and he really caught it up. You know, the the first page listing of Google um, for for Sydney. So we had a lot of new patients driven from internet based marketing at the time. A lot of people wanting um, uh, small rejuvenation, small makeovers. So uh, and which I know nothing about, <laughs> uh, but. But, you know, that's why it stimulated my interest in cosmetic dentistry. Um, and that's why I went over to the States to do a lot of the LVI courses, because I was really trying my hardest at the time and to tackle these cases. In hindsight, I've done a lot of dentistry that I shouldn't have done, um, that I, that, that I in, in hindsight, I'm not proud of. But at the time, knowing what I know as, as a new graduate general dentist, I really did give them my best for every single patient that I treated. I think, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. Obviously, during that time compared to now, there's so much more information out there. You know, there's so much more access. And so, you know, there's an indentation, like all this information. But for you at the time, I mean, I've talked to many clinicians before as well on our podcast, and they've talked about there wasn't a lot of CPD stuff. How did you kind of come about these kind of courses? Was it recommended you from someone, um, colleagues you were talking to from work? Um, yeah, I, I, what was really fortunate about my job in Chatswood is that um, behind us, uh, so where we were on Help Street, so behind us, McIntosh Street, so it, it basically in the same block, uh, there is a specialist center. Uh, so you've got um, RMAX vaccine with people like Lydia Lim, uh, you've got uh, endodontists, uh, Sid Bader, John Barbad, uh, you have periodontists like Tony Sved, um, and uh, pediatric uh, dentist, Dr. Korean Mechatician. So I was able to refer my patients to them and they were all very welcoming uh, for me to visit the practice. So I went, I, I just simply went over, you know, as a new grad, um, especially in Chatsworth at the time, I, it wasn't a full-time gig. Um, you know, Dr. Joe just said to me, hey Ben, I got an empty chair. Uh, I got uh, four days a week and let's see what you can make out of that, that chair, basically. Um, so I had, I had a lot of downtime. And I was, I remember, you know, watching videos. Oh gosh, I can't remember now with the name, but basically it's a, it's a video series on how to market yourself as a, as a general dentist, that kind of stuff, right? So I made my own pamphlets and whatever I, I can do, I did 24 hour emergencies, weekend dentistry, you name it, I've, I've done it, um, just to increase my, my patient base at, at the time. Um, but what was great was, like I said, was I was able to refer these patients to these specialists. So I was talking to them, that's what, um, open my eyes about continued education, that it's not just about local presentations or, or, or uh, information. Um, you can actually fly abroad <laughs> to, to do CPD. It is very expensive, particularly for a new grad. You know, I, at one stage, I had less than $500 in my account. I, 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 I did not have any money. So for me to, um, to take two weeks off work um, to spend uh, you know, two and a half thousand dollars for a return ticket to the US. That's just on ticket alone. And then you got accommodation and then you got, you know, other bits and pieces. Um, it, it, it's expensive. So, you know, during the ECBT times, I remember I was living in a, you know, an eight, eight person bunk out of the, 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 the YMA in, in, in New York and the cheapest accommodation possible just so that I can, I can, I can make that happen. But I knew that it was an investment that, I was very passionate about that. I, I was happy to to make that sort of those sort of sacrifices. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's that mindset. Hey, it's that you got to put that time and effort into it. And then mm. um, when you're going through all these struggles, it kind of makes you realize you have to uh, focus more on these um, courses to kind of really get the most out of it. Otherwise, it's not just a holiday anymore, is it? No, no, no. There was no holiday at, at all. Um, uh, but you know, it, it, it's, these are they're all wonderful experiences, a wonderful journey, and and you know, I met a lot of interesting people along the way, um, made a lot of friends, um, whether it's uh, in the dental community or, or 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 out. You know, when you travel, that's the fun part about travel, right? It's the it's the interesting people you met um, that you never planned for, 
the things that you did and or the food you ate, you, which you never planned for, those are the most memorable um, uh, moments in life. So you were also awarded the ADA Graduate Student Scholarship by UCID. Did that help in any way with your CPD journey? Um, so that was primarily, that scholarship was actually for my research uh, when I was doing my master's um, in prosthodontics and, and, and UCID. Um, you know, we, we, we all had to do our own research. So that was really the fund, of, uh, part of the funding for the research, which was on um, sleep bruxism. So that was my master's thesis. So with, uh, with that scholarship, I was able to carry out uh, my, my research and my, my learning on, on that topic. Right. So talking about it, how did you end up specializing? Because you're doing um, all these different um, composites. You're doing these yeah. author implants, you know. Um, a couple of things happened. One, you know how I, I said that my initial mentality is that you'll be an idiot to specialize. Um, that that thought process was very heavily challenged by my housemate uh, at the time, uh, Mehdi Rahimi. So he's now an endodontist and now we work together. Wow. Uh, so we were housemates at the time and he, you know, Mehdi came from a very strong lineage of specialists. His, his parents are all medical specialists. He's, he's got uh, his, his uncle, Torabinajad, you know, the, who, who wrote an indoor textbook, right? So he's, his whole family is nothing but medical dental specialists. So for him, uh, specializing is uh, is a no brainer. It's like, why would you want to be a general dentist? <laughs> so um, so you know we 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 were housemates for for over a year, and I remember practically every single day at the end of the day, you know, when we come home from work, we would just have a debate while during our swim and cook-offs. And, uh, and, and so I will be saying to him, he's an idiot and he'll be calling me a, a, a dumbass. And so, so a lot of that brainwashing, uh, I, I guess, came from Mehdi. So I do have to thank him for, for not giving up on me over the years. And, um, and so, so that was the first seed that was planted in my head that there are some benefits of specializing, but what really changed my mind was when I, when I went to the States, um, when I visited uh, a prosthodontist. His name is Dean Vafiadis. So he's a prosthodontist in New York who uh, was working out of Larry Rosenthal's office. So Larry is the veneer king of New York, right? So he's done the veneer of who's the who's. Now he's some um, associate, I think, some um, uh, Michael Apple. Yeah, yeah, he's now I think taking over the business or something like that. So when I was at his office, this is you know in the in the early two thousands, um, Apple Mike was just, uh, was he was, was a new person, new kid on the block. He had only just joined Larry like six months in or, or something like that. So um, so so I met Dean, the, the prosthodontist, and Dean is one of the most charismatic persons I've ever met. And Dean's story is that he was a bartender when. He was a uh, he was a, a he was doing his master's course in, in pros in, in in NYU, and he claimed that he's the one that taught Tom, Tom Cruise how to throw all the bottles you know in, in the movie cocktail. So that's how charismatic this man is. So you can imagine. And Dean said to me something along these you know word for word, which is, if you think I'm charismatic, wait until you meet Larry. I want to be like Larry. A lot of people want to be like Larry, but we're not Larry at the end of the day. So that really made, made me think about uh, what my plans were at the time. Because my plans at the time, I was about you know, two, three years out at the time. I thought I was ready to start out my own dental practice as a general dentist. And I was you know, just furthering my education along the way before I, I was opening my practice. And um, and, and that sort of scared me because I thought I could just do a lot of CPDs, do the good work and become an excellent general dentist that everyone loves. And I'd be able to do all these full mouth reconstructions um, for the rest of my life. And then until Dean said, mm, that, that really made me doubt about who I am for a second. And, and, and it made me think twice about what I'm really good at, who I really am and how I should capitalize on that. I, I was not, and I'm still, I'm, I'm learning about communication. I was not very good at communication at the time. Um, I was not good at marketing, but I was very good at putting my head down and butt up and just do the, the clinical work that, that I'm trying to do, right? Perform as a clinical dentist. So I thought, hmm, I think doing clinical dentistry is my strength. 
um, trying to mingle with the who's who's of the upper class. That is just not me. I'm that's that. I don't want to be that. That's not me. That's not who I am. And so, therefore, I've got to be true to myself. So maybe, maybe I should focus on how to improve my clinical dentistry more. And that may mean that I've got to take the plunge and um, do another three years of high yard in, in pros. And so my um, thought process at the time was not to be registered as a prosthodontist when I come out. It's simply to have the additional training of prosthodontics, but still to be registered as a general dentist, just with that additional training so that I can offer my patients the best, best that um, fixed clinical prosthodontics could or it could provide for my patients. That was the thought process. So I uh, so I made just one application to University of Sydney for for pros for Prof Kleinberg and um, and I said to myself, well, if I get in, maybe that's fate. I'll, I'll just I'll just delay opening my practice, which is fine. Um, if I don't get in, well, I'll just continue to open up my dental practice. That was really the the mentality uh, that I had. And then I got into pros, and the rest is history. <laughs> so now that you're prosthodontist, you know yeah. where where to from here? How do you upskill? How do you maintain on top of the latest knowledge? It's um, being in the in, in the lecturing circuit. Where I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm constantly being exposed to other much much better clinicians than me, presenters that are uh, you know presenting their work, their thoughts, their philosophies, their new protocols, um, and that forces me to, 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 to learn and to, to up my game, so to speak. Um, and of course, the, we're constantly being exposed in, in the digital world. Everyone is um, showing the, the excellent work that they do. So it's a constant reminder that, um, that there's always going to be someone better that we can learn from. Yeah, so, so quite often it's the initial idea comes from someone else's presentation, someone else's work that really inspired you or really make you think twice about how on earth is that so good? Uh, uh, and, then, and then you look into what they did, how they did the literature and the science behind it. And then, you know, when you find that ideal clinical case, try a little bit, uh, making small modifications at a time and just constantly improve that, that the things we do. I see. So for some of our viewers that probably don't know, you actually got the Young Prosthodontist Award for by the International College of Prosthodontics. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So that uh, that was that happened during my master's uh, degree. Um, so the ICP they have a a biannual pre COVID anyway they have a <laughs> a, a, um, a a biannual uh, international meeting which is basically a, a very large conference center of all the prosthodontists you know they they gather from the world they gather in one place usually a couple hundred of us um, and it's a very again another very inspiring type of um, setting where these uh, world leading prosthodontists will be you know presenting on, on, on their materials so as a postgrad we get to go to these things as well as as part of our curriculum all thanks to prof kleinberg for making that happen so we had to um and also he forced us to um to enter these uh, competitions um which at, for that at the time was a poster based um entry so you got to present your clinical work so i presented on management of uh, amelogenesis imperfecta um where you know these very young kids often they're born with these genetic um, conditions where all the, uh, the enamel are poorly formed um so how to what is the protocol on their management and transitioning them from uh, from you know a child and young adolescent and into the adult life what are perhaps some of the protocols in fixed prosthodontics that we should consider so that was um and it was a, a poster on a treatment, a case series that I treated um, in the public system at the time. So, um, so I guess the, the judges were quite happy with my work and, um, and, and awarded me with that, with that, uh, with, with that, with that plaque. Mm. Another award is the ITI scholarship too, <laughs> but you didn't take that um, at the end. Was there any particular reason? Oh gosh, that was um, one of the hardest decisions I have to make because the ITI scholarship, um, you know, is it, a very prestigious scholarship. Uh, given by the IDI, and it allows you to you know, choose a, a, a center um, to be an ITI scholar to study 
of course, in the field of implant dentistry under uh, and the, the mentor's wing. So I made one application to Sweden that was for uh, Danny Buza. Uh, you know, he's the again one of the, the world's greatest in implant you know publications um, because he is the best uh, around. So that's why I thought I'll just make one application. I won't get it, but but I got it. <laughs> um, and I had something like you know two months to make up my mind. Um, it's extremely attractive because what's better than studying and learning under the world's greatest in implantology? The reason why I did not take it, it was because of the, the reality of eventually I'm going to come out and work most likely as a specialist um, where we have to have referrals. That's the reality of our business. Um, general dentist has to know me. Um, one of uh, some of my predecessors, uh, the the Perio and the other pros um, grads that graduated two years before me, some of them were uh, my, my very good friends, and some of them actually did the ITI scholarship in very prestigious places. Now, uh, and often they would either go to Europe or states or, or something like that, right? So the intake is what is at least in the states. Uh, it starts of their year starts somewhere in mid year. That's the beginning of the year. So that means when we finish our prosperity program, you got to stick around Australia for another six months. Just turn your thumb, really, really, um, because you really can't get a job for six months. <laughs> um, so you really usually you turn your thumb for about six months, and then you go there, whether it's your states in Europe, for one year, assuming you finish on time. And then when you and then when you come back to Australia, it's sort of towards the second half of the the, the, the next year, which usually is hard to get jobs during that period of time. So in other words, your your professional life is put on hold for approximately two years because you're you're, you're somewhat away during that period of time. So my predecessors who has finished these programs, usually by the time I see them again in Australia, it's roughly you know two years later. And that's when they get started with their uh, specialist journey. So, so, so in other words, you're, you're being a new grad for two years longer than what you otherwise would be. Um, and at the time, the Sydney market wasn't as saturated as it's now. So there was a one very good job offer that came on the market. Again, my initial thought was not to become a prosthodontist. I, I wasn't looking for it but these opportunities were knocking on the door. So um, Richard Chan, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a household name in implants um, you know, in, in Australia. He's been one of the first dentists that, that's, that's learning under um, Prophet Pierre Brunemark, right? Who came to Sydney. So, so Richard had a very, very big name in, in implant dentistry and he was looking for a prosthodontist at the time. And uh, you know, I, I haven't finished my, my, my course at the time, but I'm, I'm, it's towards the, the tail end um and he just said look you know that, that this is an opportunity you can come certainly come and work for me um and and, and that's really put me in a hard hard spot because uh, you know richard is one of the, the australia's most well-known person in the field of implantology um his uh, his practice he had a new practice in chatswood at the time it was only on implants there wasn't anything else right the practice at the time was called implant hazards, so you can imagine what that practice was about um so I, I knew that I could that could significantly be exposed to implant dentistry, to surgeries, to pros, single cases, grafting, full mouth cases, all on four concepts. Everything that I always felt shy of doing, you know, with with implants, I could very quickly elevate that aspect of dentistry, um, and also that would expose me quicker to getting my own referral base and, 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 you know, making, making a name for myself um, in, in, in prosthodontics, which was very, very hard. Um, and that's why I took that opportunity. It, it was a very, very difficult decision to make. Um, but I, I, I did not make that, that decision in hindsight. Hmm. Wow. So many more questions I want to ask, but of all those CPD courses, was there one that had the biggest clinical impact on you? Um, it's a really tough one because I, I think at the end of the day, there's a persona, there's a personality behind, behind doing that clinical work. 
So, you know, most of us there, we're, we're very sort of very detail oriented. We're very driven. So, so every single, and there's so many steps in clinical dentistry. So every, um, I think every little step, there's always something that you learn from somewhere else that made that particular step perhaps a little bit better. Um, I, I really can't say there's one particular uh, CPD that's changed my life forever, but I, I thank all the previous um, presenters had, that, that shared their knowledge that made every single little bit of my clinical dentistry of what it is today. Mm, yeah. I mean, because if I look at it, you know, in the space of two to three years, you, you took on a lot of different things. You know, how do you, how could you consolidate all that information so quickly? Um, uh, clinical information or? I mean, because you were doing, you know, you were doing composites, you are doing ortho and, you know, you had a mentor that from ortho that was kind of, you know, hammering you down on specifics yeah. and all yeah. those details. You got implants, you're going on the side as well. You know, yes. these are common things that I feel like our audience um, definitely comes across as a new grad. Right. Orthos, implants, like that's their mindset when they come out, they got to do that. You know, yeah. as someone who's gone through it, how, how what's your thoughts? Well, I, I think you, you very quickly, you find what you are really interested in, what you're passionate about. Uh, ortho, I loved ortho because um, because that, that we, we didn't get any uh, fixed ortho hands-on exposure in, in, in undergrad. So I couldn't wait to you know, start bonding brackets on someone, right? <laughs> um, uh, but the changes on, in orthodontics is quite slow. So my passion really wasn't there. I thought it was a great modality to help uh, to achieving the patient goals, whether it's aesthetics, whether it's phonetics, whether it's occlusion, it's a great modality, but I didn't feel very passionate about bonding on brackets. I wasn't very passionate about changing, you know, the literal wires, you know? So my passion at the time was on, on, on fixed rehab where very quickly you, you, you change this smile very quickly. You change someone's persona. Um, and, then, and then you get this tear, tears and hug at the end, which is a very great sort of confidence booster. So, so I found my, my passion in, in fixed pros. So I guess um, to answer that question, I think it's just to expose yourself to these CBDs, expose yourself to these clinical uh, aspects of this dentistry. Uh, do as many as you like, you know, un, un, under a very you know uh, cautious approach, not to not to jump the gun or doing something out too 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 far outside your your, your comfort zone. Uh, take it one step at a time and see what what what, what you really love. You know, many many loves in there, which I I you know looking down a microscope, it's, it's, it's not something I'm passionate about. Uh, but but for him it is. So you know people are just different, and and the more we work with people and see patients, I'm sure you, you, know, you, you, you we will agree that people are just so different from one, one another. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's I mean. A normal question I would normally ask, I guess, is you know who's had the biggest influences in your career path and why. But it sounds like there's been multiple different influences from Medi at the beginning talking mm. to you about you mm. know specialists, and then to um, Richard who was um, and and um, Dean um, who was talking introducing you to specializing in that mindset, and then going into Richard who really um, kind of gave you that support for the implant side of things. Sure. Um, has there been any other particular influences um, that we haven't mentioned? Oh, probably my parents. Um, you know, we, we, our, our, our childhood, our upbringing, our, our family history really shape us, I, I think, for of being who we are. Uh, uh, my, my parents have always um, you know, brainwashed me on, in, in terms of, you know, finding happiness, finding true happiness is only by creating happiness in, in others. Um, and you're, you, you have to have a greater purpose in life than just yourself, which is, you know, um, uh, be beneficial to the society and make the world a better place. It's very cliche, but that is how my mind has been, you know, like I said, brainwashed um, uh, throughout my entire upbringing. So, um, so that has um, made me by large who I am today. And all the clinical stuff or the dentistry part is just uh, a, a manifestation of, of that underlying persona um mm. so you know all the cpds that we'll be doing all, all of this is because of really sort of where, where my parents came from 
Yeah. But talking about your parents, you know, your parents are actually both university lecturers. Yeah. Did that have something to do with the fact that you're a visiting honorary clinical lecturer, you know, a Nobel bike presenter and a multi-university implant diploma mentor? Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, they, 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 they're lecturers. Um, my, actually, our whole extended families are a university sort of academic based. So academia is nothing new to me. Um, I grew up in, in, in the library. I, I practically grew up in, in the physics lab. So both of my parents are physicists. Um, so, so, you know, they, we didn't have childcare at the time. We couldn't afford childcare. So they just have to talk me to, to their, to their labs. You know, so, so I grew up in that sort of setting. So doing research in the academic environment, teaching, that's nothing new to me. Um, but what really, uh, so, so sharing that information um, is part of making the world a better place. Um, I attribute to all my clinical learnings and what I know now because of what I learned from other people. And I think it's only right to share that in return, particularly um, you know, with, with the CBD courses that I'm running for my referring dentists. Um, it's just one form of me giving back to the profession. And they're the one that's referring their patients for us, trusting us to look after their patients. I treated the patients. I learned a lot throughout this, this journey. And it's only right that I would pass on back to them um, the success and more importantly, the failures that I've had you know, over the years of treating their patients so that they, are, uh, they can avoid the mistakes um, that, that I've made so that they can improve their clinical dentistry so that the patients at the end of the day are the, are the true you know, people who's been benefited. Um, and, and that you know, echoes well with, with my sort of inner sort of ethos. And, and that's how you know, the practice and, and the business is run. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think one thing I've come to understand and appreciate is that knowledge is of no value if you can't pass it on. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. Try to hold on knowledge for yourself. I think I, I, I do see some people do that. It's, it's very sad um, because, you know, uh, particularly in this day and age, the digital media, if someone wants to learn something, you, you will find that somewhere. So, so if, you know, if there's all these passionate people out there that want to learn, I think it's, it's only right to, to give them and at least teach them the right stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, communication is something that a lot of graduates struggle with, you know, especially explaining complicated issues or procedures. You know, what's your approach to this? How do you ease their anxiety patients oh mind. gosh uh I'm, I'm still very bad at it um <laughs> communication is something i'm certainly not not good at it's certainly not my strength uh, public speaking is certainly not my strength it's something that i never realized that i had to do um growing up i was a very shy kid every time i want to talk to girls my my, my face will blush i'm going <laughs> completely red uh one of the first professional CBD presentation I did was for, for the Quintessence um, International presentation that was at Sydney Darling Harbour. It was a room full of a few thousand people. And that was my very first gig. And oh God, it was, it was bad. As in, um, as in I was so nervous. The mic was so close to my mouth. My, I was dry because of, of anxiety. And when the mouth is, when the mic's so close, all that... All that, all those noises would just echo in the hallway, and oh god, it was, it was, it was bad. So ever since that, I said to myself, okay, this is, this is not good. Um, I, I need, I need to do something about this. Um, I asked my good childhood friend, uh, Zubin, who's, who is, who's a, who's now a partner in, 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 in accounting firm in Dubai, and for, even in primary school, uh, I remember Zubin. He was a, um, he was just a, such a, such a good communicator. And 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 he's he's specializing in in, in, in the field of accounting is uh, merger and acquisition, which is basically all about pitching to other potential buyers and sellers what another wonderful buyer or seller is that 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 without I found for your business. So it's all about presenting. So I ask him, how do I get over this fear in public speaking, and how do I get better? And he said, what really has helped him is by going to Toastmasters. Uh, I'm sure there are there are better platforms these days, but but you know, sort of 15 years ago, that's sort of one of the more popular platforms at the time. So it's you basically meet usually in the meeting uh, in in the morning before before work starts once a week or once a fortnight or something rather, in in your local uh, Toastmasters group and um, and then, you know that that group will be run by by the organizers particular topics. There's there's impromptu speeches. There's you know, prepared speeches that that kind of stuff. So it that threw me in the deep end on 
uh, impromptu speaking and and uh, basically just delivering information in front of the others and to be to desensitize that fear of getting up on stage so from that that i think has helped a lot with reducing the fear and anxiety and then formulating a more rational thought process because you're less nervous so therefore your brain can function a little bit better um, um, so that the words coming out of your mouth make slightly more sense than before uh, and of course um, practice uh, the more that you do the better you get um, so you just have to practice 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 and practice and rehearse yourself one um, key points that I find what has helped me personally, whether it's before a presentation or delivering certain information to the to the patient, is you just write everything you want to say down, and you, you and you read it multiple times. You literally uh, you memorize it by heart, and so that on the day of the presentation or the delivery of that information to whomever you want to uh, deliver that to, uh, the words sort of you know come out of your mouth a little bit easier. You say it more and more times, and eventually that becomes part of you or how you would normally say things. Um, that 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 truly helps. Mm. Dr. Bent, you, you run one of the largest dental specialist centers in Australia. You know, there's no easy feat. You know, growing from one clinician to mm. now looking after multiple specialists of yeah. the same dental field. You know, some of our uh, graduates looking to specialize are deterred by the thought of, in today's environment, it's so extremely competitive to get work, you know, let alone prosthodontic work. But you went above and beyond that to create an environment with all these multiple prosthodontists to work together in one clinic. Could you shed some light on your journey and how that should be, how they should be looking at it? It's, 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 a, it's another really good question. Um, like I said, I, I did not start this journey with the, with the, with the mindset of becoming a specialist. Um, and or working in the special center for that matter. Uh, I, I wanted to be you know, a good general dentist. So, and, 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 and to echo what you said, uh, you know, Dr. Joe, the general dentist, my first, my very first boss in Australia, uh, Dr. Joe said to me, Ben, why would you want to specialize not alone pros? Because I've never made a referral to the prosthodontist unless it was for TMD. So that was the bucket of you know icy cold water that was poured over my head when I told him, Joe, Joe, I, I think I want to make make him make an application in Sydney about Pros. Um, but that 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 did not deter me because um, so so I certainly understand the concern that um, that going into specialty practice requires a different you know type of work and you can't really kind of market yourself to the public anymore. Um, I, 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 do, I, I do get that. Um, my thought process is, um, part of my thought process, even uh, when I was about to start my general dental practice uh, in the early days, is, is, is this, which is what I call the food court mentality. Meaning that when you go into a mall uh, and, and, and into the food court, right, there's, there's, there's dozens of different eateries they all there competing with each other to some degree, right? They all sell food. You, you, you go there to eat. Now, if there's, if there's two places that sells a similar stuff, whether it's burgers or sandwiches, uh, often there's one, you see the queue is longer than the other. So, so my point is in today's market, it's open competition. Um, you, you just simply have to be better. Uh, if you want your own business, it's different that when you're working for someone else, perhaps you don't really have that business side of things to worry about. You just you know, focus on the clinical dentistry. But even then, for the patient to say that I want to see you, the, the, this dentist, rather than dentist, uh, the, the other dentist, there has to be something different about you than the person next door. So my mentality has always been about I welcome competition. I think competition is there, whether I like it or not. It is it is a reality of life, and you just have to be different in, in terms of you as a clinician. If you own a business, your business has to be different, has to uh, have other values or are offering other services to your patients that would make sense for the public to seek that service. And you know, com I, I, I welcome competition. I, I think competition only brings the best out of us. Um, you know, in, in, in Chatswood here, um, in just prosthodontists, good God, we got so many good prosthodontists. Um, Alan, you know, he's one of the, the, the best clinicians I've seen around, produce some of the most amazing work. 
Chris Ho, he's he's also got a huge, you know, uh, business, not just in prosthodontics, right? He's got other general practices. He's got uh, a lab. He's got the media. He, he's publishing books. And you, you, you name it, right? He's, he's got everything. So, so I often say to my team, guys, we don't have to aim for world's best. We just have to be the best in Chatswood. That will come, they'll come fairly close to, to, to a really, really, really good practice, right? So, so you know, I, I, I think competition is good. It, it, it brings the best out of us, that it forces you to better, it forces you to be creative, innovative, um, to work harder. And at the end of the day, it, it only benefits society. It only benefits patients. Um, out of that competition because that improves that forces you to have better services than 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 the person next door it's it's it, it, it's it's fair game so i i think um don't feel shy and don't feel afraid to enter these things as long as you are good at, at what you do mm. i'm gonna pivot a little bit as well you've okay. held many presidential roles in dental societies in your working life before you've had multiple academic roles in conjunction to being an owner and a high level specialist but you're also a family man you know how do you balance work life with so many different roles going on simultaneously there i'm gonna i'm gonna just say something that's very very sort of outlier to what most people say you know, a lot of people says oh, it's very important to have a balanced lifestyle yes Yes, but for me personally, there's no such thing as balance. <laughs> um, I, I think at, at any point in time, we, there, there's always a point of focus. Um, there, there are aspects that when your kid is first born, you've got to focus on that family, you've got to focus on your kid. When you're first starting up your business, you've got to focus on that business. When you're first you know, learning about, about you know, you're, you're, you're maybe specializing, you may be learning some sort of CPD course, you've got to focus on that course. Whatever it is uh, at that point in time, uh, there's 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 that there's always that lack of balance. Um, I, I think especially when in our industry where everyone is working very hard and there's no replacement for hard work, sometimes it just means you got to make sacrifices. Um, previously, I had hobbies. <laughs> previously, I had a life. Uh, now I have no hobbies. Uh, now I have no life <laughs> apart from you know um, uh, running my business and treating my patients and then go home to my kids. Um, at work, there's always an endless, endless amount of work to be done. There's always another report to be written. There's always another another treatment plan to be written. There's always another patient to be seen. Um, so you know, these days I, I say to myself, you know, six thirty is my limit. Um, I'm not going to stay here a minute beyond six thirty usually, um, because I've got to I've got to get home uh, before seven, and then uh, you know have uh, catch have a have a catch up meal and then spend time with my kids um and then sometimes it's you know taking a shower with them sometimes they have you uh, brush it help them to brush their teeth um read them stories play with them before they go to bed um and and that, that's it that, that that's my day uh and then and then after that it's 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 nice something you know you, you talk to your wife about what what has happened during the day um you know we, we winch to each other uh hear, hear of each other's uh, uh issues and then and then you pretty much you go to bed, and then tomorrow morning you wake up again. You you wake you wake up by your kids, at about you know, six thirty or seven, and 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 then your, your day rinse and repeat. Um, so so th th there is really no no time for a hobby, uh, particularly you know someone in, in, in doing what I do. Um, but I'm but I'm happy to make those sacrifices uh, at this point in in life. Um, but you know that this is not the the thing that I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, of course, there's going to be changes. And I know there's going to be changes in the next another five years. Then there's going to be the, the new focus and in other uh, types at the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good interim to, you know, what we're going to, I want to ask you next is what do you hope your ideal clinical on non-clinical day to look like in five years time? Right. Well, uh, things has really changed for me a lot over the years, you know, from a prosthodontist, which we do primarily things above the gum, <laughs> a fixed pros. Um, and then eventually I got into a lot of implant surgery. So now what I do is uh, just surgery only. Um, so it's all my other uh, prosthodontists here. They're the ones that are taking off the fixed pros uh, type of work. Um, so so I, I, I guess uh, I already have the ideal clinical day uh, right now, which is every day just doing the, the surgical aspect. 
uh, of, of uh, implant um, prosthodontics that, that I'm really passionate about. Um, but I think it's, uh, it, it's the whole team um, supporting us that, that's making it happen. So my idea there is when the whole team as a whole is running smoothly together, um, troubles, uh, troubleshooting together and, 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 and making it work from, um, from starting from the reception team, you know, and then to the clinical, the dental assisting, the clinical team, uh, and then to, to the clinicians, the, the labs that's supporting us, whether it's fixed lab, REM lab, um, everyone else that's associated um, with, with, with the business, everyone has to be on time and to be good at what they do in able to make these days run seamless and flawlessly. So whenever a flawless day happens in that sense, you know, everything, everyone is happy, everything's done on time, no one run late, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> that, that is you know, the, the, the ideal clinical day. Um, the, the non-clinical, the admin days, um, I am, um, beginning to and uh, making the next level of transition, which is to step back more and more from clinical dentistry and to support my uh, my associates who wants to do more clinical dentistry and wants to you know achieve the goals that they want to achieve. So I want to be um, their um, cheerleaders, <laughs> their their support um, to hopefully to lead them towards um, making better decisions um, for the business, so that we can head towards uh, the, the, the area that they want to get to um, so that I can, by them doing more clinical dentistry, then I can take a, take a step back and, and to do more um, management and, and coordination and doing things uh, behind the scene. Mm. So as dentists, we like to take risk-based approaches, sometimes outside of the dental realm where we like to be a little bit more conservative. We don't get financial literacy in our dental degree. As someone who appears to be very successful from the outside, um, do you have any words of wisdom to the budding young dentist or our community? Uh, firstly, I would not call myself successful. Um, uh, I, I think everyone has different different definitions for, for success. I am just uh, simply someone who's doing doing the best that I can with what I've um, with what I've been given, um, uh, and and I'm very happily doing it. Um, but uh, you, you raise a very good point, which is um, which is a about sort of the conservative nature of the the majority of us, um, and 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 b finance. You know where how much risk do you take, right? When it comes to finance, so I also sit in a similar boat in the sense that I'm also quite conservative by by nature, um, and I was very. And, and, and also, um, our family previously did not have any money. You know, we, we were first-generation immigrants, and my parents basically had to sell everything um, with, with literally suitcases, right, coming out of a new country. So, um, so we, we never had money um, to even buy a house previously, not alone to invest in into so investment you know that concept we never even need to learn about that until you know, my sort of current um, generation this is the first time that as a as a collective family we we're now having some money that we need to look into as investment so i was very cautious um entering the investment market and um and you know real estate is something that i'm, I'm actually also very passionate about these days too so but what got me into it was a very slow process because, um, you know, there's always a, a, a seminar, a webinar, right, about, you know, how to buy this and, and, and that. And, and sometimes you feel that the salesperson, there is a conflict of interest, right? Um, of course, they want to sell me that place because that's how they get the commission, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to take what they say with a grain of salt. So I also went to some of these seminars and I started doing my, my own Excel spreadsheets. You know how they say that the, your rental yield is... 5% per year. I'm like, no, it's not. According to my Excel spreadsheet, which is very thorough, it's got everything, you know, all the different, you know, even the loss of opportunity costs that you know, I will put into it, right? So it always, it, it, it's in red. So at the end of the year, if I if I put in 10% deposit of that uh, investment property, at the end of the year, it's always in red. It's always a negative. That's how, that's what my Excel spreadsheet tells me, not what your Excel spreadsheet told me. So that has hindered me entering into real estate um, for many years. Um, so there was one particular real estate agent and he uh, is part of the Ironfish group and he um, sort of, he was very patient 
and 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 the the building that I'm in now at the time he had an office that was in our building too. So every couple of months he would come, you know, at the at the end of the day he would knock on my door, say, "Oh, hey Ben, um, you know, I it's another new project. I just want to." You know, take a couple of minutes of your time. I'll tell you about the project and answer any questions that you may have. So I took that as a learning opportunity because you know a lot of people they bought so many properties and I just don't understand how can you afford that. Um, you know, a lot of people says I have twenty properties, I have fifty properties, right? You, you read these books. Some some high school teacher from the Sunshine Coast who's now owning you know 50, 50 properties. You'd be like, what? How is that possible? So you know, I want to I want to basically entertain me. Right. To, to, to tell me how this could have happened. Not to say that I will want I want to do that, but I just want to understand how that may have happened. So, so he spent uh, time after time, time after time. So gradually, you know, I, I, that sort of eased my concern a little bit, and then I started to, you know, do, doing a one better. Uh, you know, as an investment, then a two betters, then three betters, and then other, you know, other sort of projects. So. Um, so I, I think um, to answer the question, I think it's just to keep an open mind because when we are so conservative in nature, often we tend to, we, we're very risk adverse. So therefore we tend to say no quite quickly towards a new idea, a new concept, which means that it's more possible to ask for us to lose out on opportunities where it, it, it's, a, it's but it, otherwise it's a very viable opportunity, but we lost that because we felt it was too risky because we did not understand it as much. So I think it's simply just to keep an, keep an open mind and, um, and, and find people who is willing to work with you, whether it's a stockbroker, whether it's a real estate agent, that they want to spend the time um, to teach you about it, to learn about it, that you don't have to spend a dollar with them, I just want to talk to you. I just want to learn from you. Is can I do that? And there are people out there, not many, but I was very fortunate that I found some of them uh, that are willing to do that. So, and and I and I thank them profusely um, for for again for brainwashing me and 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 for for being being patient with me over the years. <laughs> Dr. Bentley, there's so many more questions I want to ask you, but that's all the time we have for today. You know, thank you for coming on the show. Let the people know how they can find you and what's kind of going on in your life. What's going on in my life? I, I I hope no one can find me to know what's going on in my life. That that's a bit stalkish, I think. Um, but um, <laughs> my my practice is uh, is uh, is uh, Sydney Property Doctor Group. We're in uh, we're in Chatswood. Um, so uh, the website is www.sydpg.com.au. Uh, uh, there's a lot of information there. Now um, I do want to say that um, your general obviously the dentist is watching. So we do have a CPD. Um, aspect, uh, which is when you go to the website, uh, there's a the, 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 the drop down bar on top, there's one section that's called uh, for dentists. So when you go to that, and then you, you go to the end, there's this resources, it's got a lot of our previous webinars, and the CBD things that we've um, recorded, that's uploaded onto our website, which you can you can watch um, a lot of dentists have said they, they've learned a lot. Um, over the years from just watching the pre-recorded uh, webinars in the session that, that we've done. So that's something I think of value for, for all the dentists out there. Mm, I, I would admit I actually attended it and listened to it and I do find a lot of value in it, yes. Oh, terrific. Good to hear. <laughs> if you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.